Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we begin a new series with a look at the life of Joshua called When God Calls You. As change happens, and in Joshua's case, Moses has just died. Joshua is a case study on how God helps us live confidently through challenging times and should be an encouragement for you. Like Joshua, are we ready to accept God's direction so that we can sense the joy of his victory? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available all for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then you may do so right there at reallife.org. Joshua chapter 1 is the text Pastor Sean Azaro is teaching from. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. I remember when I first started out in ministry, and I knew God was calling me, and I got connected. I became a youth pastor at a church, and uh, you know, I helped out a couple different ministry positions at some different churches. And I remember when you're, you're kind of under a leader. And I had some leaders who I, I was under who were good leaders. I had some leaders who weren't the greatest leaders. But there's always that sense when you're not the leader, who go, you go, wow, I wish the leader would do this. I know go, you guys in this church never think that about your leader. But some other churches do, okay? But, you know, we've all been there. And it's not just church. How about at work? How about anywhere where it's like, okay, they're the leader. And, okay, they do these things. Okay, but, man, I could do this better. I could do this better. And you're chomping at the bit to get to that leadership position sometimes. And often what we focus on is the privilege of the leadership position. I don't just mean the perks, Okay. And there sometimes are some perks, but I, I don't mean that. I'm talking about the privilege. In other words, I get to lead the way I think would be best. I get to put my own creativity and vision. I get to lead. Problem is, someday, you keep praying that, you keep growing, God might put you in that position of a leader. And I remember distinctly when I kind of moved from that guy who's like a support guy, looking at the other leader going, well, I wish you'd do this, wish you'd do this, when all of a sudden I'm the leader. And you know you're the leader when something unexpected difficult, even tragic happens because all eyes in the room turn and look at you. And your first couple times, you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I was back with that other leader so I could turn and look at him or her too with everybody else. Because it's like all of a sudden that full weight of responsibility just falls on you. And it's like, okay, right now, there's nobody else. A few of those experiences, that's when leaders start looking for a mentor (laughs) or they look for some coaching, look for some training because it's like, wow, I haven't been here before. And I want someone else to give me some insight, some input, some wisdom. And that's what we're going to really start out with, because that's the, that's the situation that Joshua found himself in. And I think every one of us, in some way or another, have to address the fact that there are areas of our life where we're supposed to lead out because God's given us authority, responsibility, and he's placed us there. And where when something happens, people, someone's going to turn and going to look at us and say, where are we going? That's when you know, oh, wait a minute. I'm the leader and God's called me. 
So let's pick up in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Stop. Time out. This is the death of Moses. Moses, and twice it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. And then when the Lord starts speaking to Joshua, the quote is, Moses, my servant, is dead. This is Moses. We probably all followed someone in leadership or someone else was the leadership, you know, the homeowners association, the department at work, or the, the class here at church, or whatever it is, and you followed someone. I dare say you followed someone probably less prominent or accomplished than Moses. You know, there's always that sense of I'm following someone else and now they've been more experienced and I've got to figure it out and all that. I can't even imagine. He's following Moses. When Joshua met Moses, he was that crazy guy from the desert who was kind of like this little crazy guy yelling at Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, whatever. Until Moses started saying, okay, if you won't, then God's going to do this. And then it happened. And the plague started hitting. And the power of God started being mad. And then Moses wasn't just the crazy guy from the desert anymore. He, they started giving this label, the servant of the Lord. Well, wait, aren't we all servants of the Lord? Yeah, but God referred Moses, my servant. You notice the possessiveness there? Moses, my servant, is dead. What's Joshua feeling at this moment? Because remember, Moses is the guy who took this kind of just ragtag group of slaves and turned them into a nation. Moses was the guy who led them out of Egypt and brought the most powerful nation in the world at the time to their knees in the power of God. That's who Moses is. And he's dead. What's Joshua feeling? Fear? Is he feeling alone? Because God now has come to him and said, you're going to lead these people. Wait a minute, this was Moses' vision. This was Moses' dream. This was a crazy thing from the beginning, and somehow you work through Moses, and God's saying, I want you now to take them into the land of promise. Yeah, but that was the promise you gave Moses. I'm giving it now to you. What are you going to do about it? I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea, to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. It's like as though you didn't, if you didn't get the first time. Be strong and very courageous. And be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from, the right, to, turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. 
Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. Let us hear what you want us to hear and help us to have the courage to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Moses is died and it is the end of an era. And God comes and he speaks to Joshua and he points to him. And, and again, you didn't need to know. At the beginning, he wasn't Joshua like we know him. You know, he was just Joshua, the guy who helped Moses. At least that's the way he saw it. But God saw something different. Incredible time of strategic transition. I want to challenge you on something. I think we all hit these times of change and transition when the whole landscape is changing. Everything is, is changing, and how you handle those times will, determine, will determine how you move forward. Either you will grow and thrive, or you will dwindle and fade. Because times of transition are challenging, they're difficult, but they're also an opportunity. I want to suggest to you, in regard to the church, in regard to our Christian faith, I think it kind of feels like we are at the end of an era in our nation. Our nation was founded by people who had had deep roots in our faith. I know some people try to minimize that, but they are totally going against the face of of well-established historical fact. These are a group of people who all had a Christian worldview. You go, well, but Jefferson was only a deist. Yeah, his whole, Christian, his whole view was based on the Hebrew Scriptures and on the New Testament. It's true, his religious focus, he, he thought of himself as a deist. I believe in God. I'm not sure I'd call myself a follower of Christ. But his whole view of the world was shaped by this Christian worldview. All of our founding fathers, they had that in common. They didn't have the kind of cultural diversity as far as what we experience now. They were in a place where they had come from a place, they had experienced oppression. One of their primary purposes was, we are looking for a place to follow our religious beliefs freely. You read their writings, you read what they were about. It's not a close call. For 200 years, I think we enjoyed a strong, common, biblical worldview. I'm not saying everybody was a Christian. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the way we viewed the world, the way we viewed morality, right and wrong, law, how we interact with one another, it was shaped by a Christ-centered or a Christian biblical worldview. The church had great leaders who had great influence in our nation. We sent missionaries all over the world and established churches in foreign countries all over the world. But I don't think I'm stepping out on a limb here when I say, and you've probably all seen it, something significant has changed. We're in a very different time. Things have changed so rapidly it's caught some of us off guard. Our Moses, if you will, has passed away. We're at the end of an era. It's like Joshua, the unthinkable Moses. This, he cast a shadow over everything we do. He's gone. Well, I think in some ways, for us in the church in America, our Moses has passed away. It's like we're living in foreign territory where people don't worship our God. They don't share our beliefs. And it's the end of an era. How we handle this transition, this time of change, will determine the fate of the church in America for the foreseeable future. Joshua, I think, was facing a huge transition. But there was one message that was critical for him. Joshua, Moses may be dead, but God said, but I'm going to be with you. 
I'm going to be with you. Moses may be dead, but I'm still here. I want to suggest to you that message is God's message for his church right now. It is God's message for us today, right now. In fact, here's the way I want you to write it down. If you're taking notes, please make note of this. Moses may be dead, but our God is alive and well. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Moses is Dead, in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Moses is Dead. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Moses may be dead, but our God is alive and well. And remember, it wasn't Moses' power that did the miracles. It was God's power. It wasn't Moses that did the great things that we've seen in church history. That's the great things even that we've seen in American history. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the founders. It wasn't this nation. It was God. And Moses may be dead, but our God is alive and well. And that should change everything. That should change how we view the future. That should change how we see things. Remember what the Lord said to Joshua in verse 5. He said, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And Joshua had to think, but God, you're talking to me, Joshua. This isn't Moses. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Why? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you how that had to make Joshua feel. Okay. He understood Moses' faith. He understood where the power came from to do the things that God did through Moses. And God stood before him and said, I'm still here, and I'm never going to leave you. I want to suggest, church in America, we need to remember. Christians in America, we need to remember. Christians at River City Community Church, we need to remember. Moses may be dead, but our God is alive and well. And that's powerful. That's good stuff. Somebody should preach. Well, I'll go ahead and do it since I'm, I've got the mic. You know. A few things that I think in this era of change and transition that God revealed to Joshua that I think are very important and appropriate to us. And I want to make this very personal. So a couple observations that I think we need to look at. Number one, God wants to do a new thing through you. God wants to do a new thing through you. See, God was doing something new in Joshua. Something different. He had done a great work in Moses, 
But Moses was the one who led them out of Egypt. Moses was the one who walked them through the wilderness, purified them, brought the law of God. Moses was the one who shaped them into a nation. Joshua was going to do something totally different. And at these times of transitions, I think we have to understand, God wants to do a new thing. We can get so addicted to the old thing, and it's kind of so kind of nostalgic for the old thing, that we're not even open that, wait a minute, God is not into maintenance. God is not into repetition. God is creative while he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always doing something new. And God wants to do a new thing. And I want to challenge you with this part. He wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through you. And some of you are looking like, well, Sean, I know he wants to do a new thing for you because you're a pastor. And that's, you pastors have a tough thing in, in America now. And that's really hard. And I just want to kind of push it back at you. Yeah, that's true. And you too. God wants to do a new thing through us, through you and through me. I, mean, I, want, I want you to think about that. The, everything is different. We understand that. We can either recognize what God's doing or we can sit and be so obsessed with the old thing that we never take a look and recognize, wait a minute, God wants to do a new thing and he wants to do it through me. I want to challenge you as you kind of look at where God has you, look at where he's placed you, um, and you process this idea, wait a minute, maybe God wants to do something in, new in this next season of my life. Be careful. Don't, don't focus on trying to copy someone else. We get, so, we get so hooked. We want to study the successes of others. We get so hooked on reading books about the successes of others that we think the new thing God wants to do is what he's already done in someone else. And I, I want to challenge you, don't copy someone else. One of the things we do in church is we go to church conferences, right? I love a good conference, Okay. And we'll hear from leaders and speakers and people who have had great success using certain models and doing things in their city and stuff. And one of the problems of the conference circuit kind of thing is people will go and they'll try to take what you did in Seattle or in New York or wherever it is, and they'll try to take it back home and try to superimpose it on their situation and copy it. And then they're disappointed when it doesn't happen the same way. And it's like, wait a minute, it's a different setting. You're a different person. And God already did that. God wants to do a new thing through you. And I know we church people aren't the only only ones, right? You know, you go to a contractor's gathering, you know, and and you hear something great that's happened with a contractor in Seattle. Well, it may not work in San Antonio. You're you're bankers, financial people, and you go to New York and you hear great some great things that are happening and da da da. And just know, well, maybe it's not going to work in San Antonio. Don't get so hung up on copying what someone else has done. Understand God wants to do a new thing, and he wants to do it through you. He's not a God of maintenance. He's not a God of repetition. He's not a copycat. He's a God who desperately wants people to understand how much he loves them and how he wants to fill them and work through them. I think sometimes the purpose of the new thing is so that we don't get so attached to the old thing that we forget him. Isaiah 43, great passage of scripture where God is talking to his people about how he's going to deliver them, how he's going to bring salvation, and what he's going to do. And then verse 18 and 19, he says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I think this is a prophetic word for those of us in America who are lamenting where we were and where we are now. And I don't mean forget the lessons of history, forget the, I don't mean, I don't mean any of that. I just mean Take the word of the Lord. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Moses may be dead, but our God's alive and well. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Sometimes it feels like a wilderness. No, God's making a way. Sometimes it feels like a wasteland. Well, God's got streams. 
just like he's always had. And it's one thing for us to kind of look at this and say, wow, that's a good word for the church in America. What about for you? What season are you in? Where are you being stretched that maybe it's a new season? God wants to do something different. In Acts chapter 11, you remember what happened in Acts 10, uh, God sends Peter against every fiber of his instinct being in his religious training to a Gentile leader, a Roman centurion named Cornelius in his household. And they just didn't do it. This is the first time they had been specifically sent to Gentile people to proclaim the word of the Lord. And you remember the vision God used and this crazy thing of unclean, all these unclean animals. And in the dream, Peter's told to get up and eat. And he's like, I never have touched those unclean things. And God says, don't call something unclean that I've called clean. And then he realizes, oh, he's not really talking about the animals. He's talking about people because he, sent, he sends them to go see Cornelius. And they receive Christ. Peter shares with them. They receive Christ. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. And now Peter has the unenviable task of going back and explaining to this to the church in Jerusalem who were very much of the paradigm, wait a minute, this Christian movement is a part of Judaism and it's just, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah and this is just for the Jews. And Peter has to bring the good news, yeah, God sent me to Gentiles and they all received the Spirit, so it's out of the bag now, guys. And he tells them in Acts 11, beginning at verse 15, here's what he says, as I began to speak, he's telling them what happened the, the, when he was back with Cornelius. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he'd come on us at the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Forget my biases, forget my preconceived notions, forget my kind of blueprint of what was supposed to happen. Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections. And they praised God saying, so then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And I, as a Gentile believer, am really grateful. Really grateful. But that blew their mind. That was like a whole kind of thing. I'm like, holy cow. God is doing something that was way outside the bounds of what we thought he was going to do. And maybe for some of them, the first time they realized, God is a lot bigger than my preconceived notions of him. And I think just like they were facing a huge transition. You understand, these people, they went from Judaism to this radical Jesus who they discovered, he's the Messiah, so that's a major leap. And then in their lifetime, they then go to, oh my gosh, he's not just the Jewish Messiah, this is for the whole world. And God is using us, like he promised Father Abraham, to bless and bring redemption to the whole world. Wow. They were at a mind-blowing time. And as I said, I think we in the church in America are facing a huge transition. And I want to challenge us with this idea. I think it is a time of amazing opportunity. It is a time of amazing opportunity. We can look back and we can mourn the past if we want. Or we can look forward and realize God is starting a new thing. God is starting and doing a new thing. And he's inviting us to be a part of it. Are you ready for that? One of the things that we're wrestling with as a nation, and I know there's different people get on different sides of this, is this idea of refugees and Syrian refugees and and just different refugees from countries in the Middle East. And there's a lot of concern because of the very real issue of Islamic terrorism. That's not pretend. That's not a game. That's real. And as an American, I have to tell you, I am sympathetic with 
the challenge that our officials face because they have a, an assignment. It is an assignment that is actually endorsed in Scripture to protect the people of the nation. Romans 13 says, Government has been given a sword to punish evildoers and to protect. It is a godly and a righteous thing for the government to say, we are going to protect our people from those who would try to do harm. It's like police officers. You know, they carry guns and billy clubs and tasers because they are there to, if, by, if necessary by force, subdue people who would do harm and evil to others. And our government has that same responsibility. So this is a tough challenge. I totally get it. I mean, when I've, I've traveled, I've traveled, had an opportunity to travel to a number of different nations around the world, especially in Europe, because it's smaller than North America. You can go and you can, in you know, a week's visit, be three, four, five nations. And you know, every time I've got to stop at a gate, a fence, a wall, and I have to show my papers, I have to meet their requirements, I have to answer their questions before I'm allowed to go in their country. And it never occurred to me to go, how dare you? How dare you? I'm an American. I should be allowed in. What, what is wrong with you? Never occurred to me. And those guys standing behind them with guns helped me realize how foolish that would be. You know, I just I didn't, you know. And so I understand the problem. And Islamic terrorism has created a whole new kind of challenge and problem. That's my thought as an American. But as a Christian, regardless of how you feel the best way, we all think we want to help. When we see just thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of refugees, and we see people displaced from their homes and living in squalor and something in our hearts should say that's not right, and how can we be a part of that? That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Moses is Dead in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.